Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Oceana Gold 2021 fourth quarter results webcast and conference call. At this time, are in the listen-only mode, but following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. And if at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Also note that this call is being recorded on Wednesday, February 23rd at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I now would like to turn the conference over to Sabina Srebinski. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Good evening and good morning. Welcome to Oceana Gold's full year 2021 results webcast and conference call. I am Sabina Srebinski, Director of Investor Relations for Oceana Gold. I am joined today by Scott Sullivan, Chief Operating Officer and Acting CEO. Scott McQueen, Chief Financial Officer. David Londano, Executive General Manager, Hale Operations, David Way, Executive General Manager, Philippines and New Zealand, and Sam Pazuki, Senior Vice President, Corporate Development. Before we proceed, note that references in this presentation adhere to international financial reporting standards, and all financial figures are denominated in U.S. dollars unless otherwise stated. Also note that the presentation contains forward-looking statements, which, by their very nature, are subject to some degree of uncertainty. There can be no assurances that our forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate as future results and events could differ materially. I refer you to the disclaimers on the forward-looking statements in our presentation. I will, turn the, I will now turn the call over to Scott Sullivan to walk you through the key highlights of the quarter. Thank you, Sabina. Good evening, good morning to all. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, today. We have a lot to cover today, so I'll get things going right away with slide number three. Delivering consistently on our commitments underpins the strategy to create long-lasting value for shareholders. Despite another year of uncertainty globally, significant changes made throughout the course of 2021 at Oceana Gold, we delivered what I would consider to be a successful year. The fourth quarter of 2021 saw the return of positive free cash flow on the back of record gold production at Hale and a strong operating performance at Didipio, which recommenced production in early November after more than two years of being in a state of operational readiness. Having a diversified portfolio played an important part in our performance during the quarter as the New Zealand operations underperformed against expectations for much of the year operationally and faced external factors including government restrictions related to COVID-19. Subsequent to the quarter end, we announced the completion of the Hale Technical Review and we'll cover some of the details of that work later in this webcast. Turning over to slide number four. We pre-released our production and costs in January and those figures are reflected here. We are pleased to have achieved our consolidated production and cost guidance with Hale and Didipio both exceeding their respective production guidance. 
Consolidated gold production increased 20% over 2020, while our cash costs decreased 15% and all in sustaining costs decreased 2%. I view our 2021 performance as a step in the right direction. We will look to build on this positive momentum going forward. I will now turn over the presentation to Scott McQueen to walk you through the financial results. Thank you, Scott, and hello, everyone. Over the next few slides, I will cover the key highlights of our 2021 financial results. As Scott just mentioned, our fourth quarter performance was driven mainly by strong quarters at both Hale and Didipio, and we're very pleased to have Didipio back operating, and we expect <coughs> to continue to see the benefits that brings our portfolio as we ramp up the operation fully. Over the full year, revenue came in at just under $745 million, which was 4% shy of the company's record annual revenue, which we achieved in 2018. $745 million was also almost 50% above the previous year. The strong increase, primarily driven by record production at Hale, and of course the restart of the Dipio, which included the sale of the pre-existing copper gold concentrate inventory on hand during the third quarter of the year. On the stronger revenue, full year EBITDA increased over 150% to just under 330 million. This result also reflected a 70% year-on-year increase in EBITDA margins. That despite the DPO idle capacity charges and cost imposts associated with COVID-19 operational interruptions, especially in New Zealand. Adjusted net earnings came in at 141 million or 20 cents per share for the year, including 4 cents per share in the fourth quarter, which compared to analyst consensus of around 1 cent per share. On an unadjusted basis, the final net result was a loss of just under 4 million. This included the previously announced non-cash post-tax net impairment charge of approximately $102 million. This included a post-tax charge of $181 million in relation to the Hale operation, largely due to the updated life of mine cost and capital assumptions per the technical study. This was partially offset by a post-tax impairment reversal of $79 million to fully restate the carrying value of the DPO. This, recognising the renewal of the FTAA and the successful restart and ramp-up of operations across the fourth quarter. More details on the Hale technical study findings will be covered by David later in the presentation. Operating cash flow for the year increased 32% on the stronger EBITDA. However, this was partially offset by material working capital movements, mainly associated with the gold pre-sales, which were closed out in July 2021. At the end of the year, we had no hedging arrangements in place. Adjusted cash flow per share after working capital movements for the year was 40 cents including $0.13 cents in the fourth quarter, which compared to analyst consensus of approximately $0.08. Cents. Moving on to slide six and our capital expenditure for the year. Consolidated capital expenditure for 2021 increased over 2020 as planned. This included higher capitalised waste stripping, plus the build-out of Hales mining infrastructure, the continued development of the Martha Underground mine at Waihi, which commenced continuous production in mid-2021, plus the development of Golden Point Underground at McRae's, which also achieved first production in the fourth quarter of 2021. In Q4, capital expenditure decreased quarter on quarter, mainly due to the lower capitalised waste stripping and a delay in commencing development at the Hale Underground. This was partially offset by an increase in general operating capital and exploration costs across the New Zealand operations. Overall, 
our 2021 capital program followed plan in that we successfully expanded our exploration opportunities while bringing into production two new underground mines in New Zealand. We also have laid the foundation for a third new underground mine at Hale, which is planned to continue development in 2022. Moving on to slide seven and the balance sheet. For the fourth quarter, pleasingly we moved back into a positive net cash flow where we saw our net cash position increase 20 million. As at the end of the year, our cash balance stood at 133 million, while total available liquidity was 163 million. Net debt, inclusive of equipment leases, was approximately 238 million. We have a sound balance sheet and we're positioned to deliver strong free cash flow over the next few years. This will allow us to pursue a balanced capital allocation plan one that allows us to fund investment in high margin value equities growth opportunities, including the Hale Underground and WKP, Ferrokiraponga, to reduce net debt and to provide distributions to shareholders. I will now turn the presentation back to Scott Sullivan to discuss our 2022 guidance and three-year outlook that underpins those plans. Thanks, Scott. Let's move on to slide nine. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, we were pleased to announce our 2022 guidance and three-year outlook. We view the future of this business as exciting with growing gold and copper production and increasing free cash flow generation. We have high margin growth projects that we're advancing while improving on our operational performance. In 2022, we expect gold production to increase between 25 to 35% over last year, while cash costs are expected to be slightly lower and all in sustaining costs slightly higher and an increased capitalised waste stripping. The increase in cost year over year is a reflection of inflationary pressures and increased capitalised waste spend. Our increased gold production in 2022 is driven by Didipio, which we expect will deliver almost a full year's worth of gold and copper production at first quartile unit costs. We expect a rebound of the New Zealand operations as Martha Underground continues to ramp up while McRae returns to steady state operations. These increases will help to offset a year-on-year -year decrease in production at Hale, which as we have previously flagged, reduced 2022 output related to the delay in the SAS final record of decision affecting access to higher grade oil. Our capital investments this year and over the next few years is focused on opening new pits at Hale and McRae's, which is driving the higher capitalised waste stripping, our growth investments are related to the Hale Underground, continued development of Panel 2 at Didipio, ongoing development works at Golden Point Underground at McRae's, and further development of Martha Underground at Waihee. We will continue to invest in drilling, particularly at Waihee, where we are focused on resource conversion and resource model de-risking at Martha Underground, and a significant increase of spend at WKP, where we are ramping up drilling activity to add even more value. Let's move on to slide 10 and our three-year outlook. <clears throat> Over the next three years, we're expecting production growth at a compound annual growth rate of 15% from 2021 levels. Additionally, we'll see a step change in copper production as the Dipio ramps up to full production. Given metal prices today, it's a good time to be a copper producer and having that revenue stream in the business. Looking at 2024, 
Our gold production is expected to significantly increase by 60 to 70 percent from 2021 levels driven by hail. We do have a fair bit of capital to invest over the next few years related to capitalised stripping at Hale and McRae's. Growth capital investments are related to high value initiatives such as the Hale Underground and Waihee North Exploration. With increasing production, we expect unit costs to decrease and profit margins to improve. We expect free cash flow generation to be meaningfully stronger over the next few years. This free cash flow generation positions the company well to deliver on its high margin growth plans, make discretionary debt repayments, <coughs> excuse me, repayments and return capital to shareholders at the board's discretion. This is a key point we want to emphasise to the market. Oceana Gold is returning to being a high free cash flow yielding company. Of course, this is the plan we've laid out and the onus is on us to execute and deliver on these plans. I will now turn the presentation over to David Way to briefly walk you through the Philippines and New Zealand operations. Thank you, David. Thank you, Scott. Good day, everyone. On slide number 11, as we've already heard already, it's great to have the DPO back into the portfolio and ramping up ahead of expectations. We completed all maintenance and upgrade works in the third quarter and restarted the process plant with new ore feed in early November. In only two months of ramping up the operation, we produced about 15,000 ounces of gold and 1,700 tonnes of copper. A very pleasing restart to operations. Underground mining continues to ramp up ahead of schedule. As we draw closer to achieving the 1.6 million tonnes per annum underground mining rate. We now expect to achieve this rate in the second quarter. And this is a major factor for why we believe we can deliver almost our annualised production potential. The process plant is currently running at its 3.5 million tonnes per annum rate and fed with a blend of lower grade stockpiles, which has progressively been offset by the higher grade feed from underground. We have approximately 23 million tonnes of stockpiled ore on surface, which we will continue to blend with underground ore for the duration of the mine life. The relationships with the community continue to remain strong, and we are working well with local stakeholders from the DPO and neighbouring communities to advance community development projects. We also continue to work closely with government officials in COVID-19 vaccine programs, as vaccination rates continue to increase, both amongst our workforce, but also throughout the local communities. We look forward to recommencing the exploration program at DDPO, which is designed to test at-depth extensions, allowing us to expand the mine life, given the ore body at DDPO is open at depth. Moving to slide number 12. We are expecting an operational rebound at McRae's for 2022, following a challenging 2021 that ended on a high note. The positive momentum we built up in December of last year has continued into this year with better mine productivities, increasing grades and better recoveries. In 2022, McRae's is expected to produce between 140 and 155,000 ounces of gold, 
at an all-in sustaining cost of $13 to $1,400 per ounce sold and cash costs of $800 to $900 per ounce sold. The wider production guidance range reflects uncertainty related to potential COVID-19 restrictions. Production for the year is expected to be evenly distributed quarter on quarter. We have smoothed out the production profile at McRae's over the next three years and have accelerated mining of the Fraser's open pits as part of the optimized mine plan. This means we have also accelerated the capitalized waste stripping to open new ore zones that we will mine over the next three years. In the fourth quarter of 2021, we processed first ore from the Golden Point Underground, which was on schedule. We will continue to develop and expand Golden Point over the course of this year and next before we fully transition from Fraser's Underground. Under the leadership of Mike Fisher and the team, McRae's is expected to be the steady operation it has typically been, and we will continue to seek out opportunities to grow margins and extend mine life beyond 2028. Moving on to slide number 13 and why he. The ramp up of mining rates at Martha Underground continue to increase and our guidance reflects increased, increasing gold production. Although we fell short of our guidance range in 2021, we do expect to double production this year and achieve steady state production of 90 to 100,000 ounces of gold on average per year from Martha Underground starting in 2023. For the full year 2022, production at Waihee is expected to be stronger in the second half of the year than in the first half, with the fourth quarter expected to be the strongest quarter of production at a lower corresponding all-in sustaining cost. We achieved steady state underground development rates in the first quarter of last year and have since modestly increased these rates over the course of 2021. We are looking at ways to further increase underground development rates as we bring additional stopes online. At steady state, we expect to be mining 15 to 25 stopes a month, depending on where we are in the mine sequence. Our ability to increase the number of stopes brought online and increase development will be enabled by the recently installed primary vent fans. We are also increasing the amount of resource definition drilling to address the continued negative reconciliation that has impact us, impacted us since the beginning of the fourth quarter of 2021. This drilling is focused on increasing our confidence in the resource model in areas that are underdrilled and to convert inferred resources to indicated. Our guidance includes only indicated resources. Preparation for the lodgement of a consent application for the Waihee North project, inclusive of the Whadukuraponga underground mine, continue to progress with environmental assessments nearing completion. Over the next few months,
we will continue engagement with a broader group of stakeholders as part of that consenting process. We expect to lodge our formal consenting application to both the regional and district councils, inclusive of stakeholder feedback in the first half of 2022. The councils will review the application, invite public feedback, and then refer the application to the Environment Court. After receipt, the Environment Court will oversee preparation for a hearing on the application, which we would expect to be held by mid-2023. For this year, we're expecting to increase the investment and exploration, particularly at Wharakutaponga. Last year, we managed to drill less than 5,000 metres, as drilling productivity was impacted by the two-week lockdown in August and a prolonged seasonal drought period. The drilling we completed last year at Wharakutaponga focused mainly on resource conversion of the East Graben vein, with a step-out hole testing the extension of the East Graben structure along strike to the southwest. We extended mineralization of the East Graben vein by 20%, and it remains open in multiple directions. We are looking to permit a third drill rig to focus on extensional drilling at Wharakutaponga to further increase the value of what we believe could be the crown jewel of the Oceana Gold portfolio. At Wharakutaponga, we have $10 million budgeted for exploration, a significant increase to our investment there of previous years. I will now hand over the presentation to David Londono to take you through Hale. Okay, thank you, David. Good evening and good morning, everyone. Moving on to slide 14. 2021 was a very strong year at Hale with record annual gold production and the implementation of operational changes that yielded positive results and I expect this will continue for many years to come. We have completed the Hale technical review and I will spend some time today talking uh, walking you through the physicals from the study but also on additional opportunities that we're currently looking at. This year's guidance reflects the delay in the, in the SEIS final record of decision and all the associated permits. Despite this delay, we are feeling very positive about the mine plan and are focused on delivering increased value going forward. Hale's 2022 production profile is evenly weighted between the first and the second half. However, first and fourth quarter production is expected to be materially higher than the second and the third quarters. All-in sustaining cost is expected to correspond to quarterly sales volumes and be highest in the second and third quarters. Capital investments are also expected to be highest through second and third quarters. Based on the company receiving the SEIS and associated permits in the first quarter as, as expected, approximately 35 to 40 million um, dollars in sustaining and 30 to 35 million dollars in growth capital for 2022 is consistent on receiving the SEIS with the start of spend expected in the second quarter. Moving on to slide 15. The company now expects to receive the SEIS final record of decision and related permits in the first half of 2022. 
These permits relate to the expansion of the operating footprint to accommodate waste of pipes, increase discharge rates at the water treatment plant, as well as the development of the hail underground. Engagement with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and the South Carolina Department of Health and Environmental Control is strong and ongoing on a weekly basis. We have also worked closely with local stakeholders who are very supportive of what we're proposing. Although we do not see any shop stoppers and the process is complete as we await a final decision, we have had to implement workarounds to accommodate waste and water management, which is the driving factor for the decrease year-on-year output and why we have to stand out, uh, why we have had to stand out local contractors. The delay SEIS has also led to high costs associated with the rehandling of waste and water management. Upon receipt of the final decision and permits, we expect costs to decrease and normalize over the course of the uh, next 20, uh, 18 to 24 months. Moving on to slide 16. I will spend the next few minutes on the results of the technical review. Last year, we undertook a strategic and technical review of our hail mine with a purpose of maximizing the value of the asset. This review assessed the current mine plan using updated operating and capital costs based on historic data, expected performance going forward, and changes to our cost structure. On slide 17, here is a look at our production and all-in sustaining cost profile to the end of the current mine life in 2034. As you can see, the production profile is variable year in, year out. However, my expectation is that the production profile will be less variable as we gain additional operational flexibility with higher grade ore feed from the underground. The step change in production in 2024 is notable and related to operating the first full year of underground production and mining in a high grade zone in the open pits. The underground reserves currently extend out to 2028. However, we do believe that there is a significant opportunity to increase underground resources and reserves, which will contribute to a higher overall output with lower costs of hail. The technical report did factor in a higher crop grade, however. There were no significant changes to the existing reserves as there was an update to the geological model that was used where some inferred reserves were converted into indicated. We have optimized the mining operations with varying bench sizing and dilution factors with the addition of grade control drilling, which helped uh, offset the forecast uh, and lower mill and recoveries. I'll speak more than to that in, in just a second. On slide 18, here are the mining physicals. Life of mine, the average open peak grade is 1.58 grams per ton, while the average on the ground grade is 3.7 grams per ton. Total material mine decreases from 2021 levels over the course of the next few years related to the ongoing delay in the SEIS process and the change to selective mining, where we will concentrate on quality versus volume. As we improve upon this approach, as we move forward with later stage cutbacks and less better and snake, we expect mining rates to increase. On slide 19, 
On the process in front, a notable change in the new mine plan relative to the previous plan is a slight reduction in milfeed rates. The reality is that we have experienced harder ore than originally expected and expect that the underground ore would be even harder to mill, affecting the mill throughput. As such, we have assumed mill feed to Topal at approximately 3.6 to 3.8 million tons per annum. Although we are setting a realistic target to hit each year, we continue to look for opportunities to push throughput rates higher without affecting residence time, which affects recovery. Another notable difference in our new plan is the resetting expectations with respect to gold recoveries. We previously believed we could achieve recovery rates in the mid-80s. This is currently achievable with a higher head grade, and although the change made to the process plan have yielded positive results, we believe life of mine average gold recoveries are realistically at 81%. Again, we will continue to look for opportunities to improve upon this. Moving on to slide 20 and unit cost. The company had previously made some aggressive assumptions on what it can realistically achieve in terms of unit cost and capital. The reality is that the last few years of operations have proven to be challenging in operating this mine at a lower cost. This is related to factors external to the company, but also inefficiencies that we have been progressively addressing and will continue to address going forward. The result is that we are now forecasting for unit cost is based on what we believe we can achieve at a minimum. Open pit mining costs over the life of the mine are expected to average around 250 per ton mines. We're expecting that our mining unit costs will decrease over time as we reduce costs over the next few years related to our need to rehandle waste due to the delay in the SCIS decision and from additional costs related to grade control, grade control drilling. As we increase mine utilization rates and reduce our maintenance costs, we will drive these costs lower and these are already reflected in our assumptions. Beyond these changes, we will continue to seek out opportunities to operate more efficiently which we will drive costs lower. I have a slide on this later. We're also expecting processing costs and side GNA costs to decrease progressively over the life of the mine. Processing costs will remain somewhat elevated over the next few years related mainly to water management. Once we have received the permits to build a larger water treatment plant, we expect to better manage water levels after two years. Blast fragmentation improvements we implemented last year have led to higher throughput rates and increased mainly utilization and also decreased maintenance costs, which are contributors to the higher unit costs experienced in the last few years. Going on to slide 21, the previous estimates on capital investment were not reflective of a higher unit cost and need to manage the amount of waste, particularly a PAG potentially acid generator waste and managing water levels. The technical review results are now better aligned with our future capital needs. One of, the, one of the main drivers for the higher capital requirements compared to the previous plan is how the operation has been conducted over the past several years. Talking about tonnage approach to hail has resulted in a higher dilution and waste generation including pack waste. As such, we have nearly exhausted 
the waste storage cells, we have a required to build out additional storage, which is part of the SCIS decision we continue to wait for. We have some initiatives that we're looking at that are designed to reduce the amount of waste we expect to generate, and bad waste we expect to generate, and this in return should, should decrease our future capital requirements. More on this in a few minutes. Moving on to slide 22, we'll spend the next few slides to walk you through the opportunities that we have partially implemented or are in the process of implementing at HAIL. Implementing at HAIL. Some, of these, some of these opportunities, such as blast fragmentation and grid control drilling of all zones, only have been captured in the mine plan we have just released. However, there is further upside on these initiatives and other initiatives that were not captured in the mine plan. Mining operations were previously, dri were previously driven by volume. With the hail or body being geometrically complex, we have changed the focus to ensure quality of the ore, of the ore delivered to the process plant. We'll be implementing an RC drilling program for grade control and in the years to come for pipe waste classification. For this year, we plan on drilling 25,000 meters with uh, RC rigs and then ramp up this drilling up to 50,000 meters a year. We have one of our main loading equipment in a backward configuration that is more suitable to mine more selectively. These efforts will be designed to reduce ore dilution and optimize, optimize pack waste that we require to deposit in especially lined waste areas. We have elected to continue mining 10 meter benches in waste areas and five to 10 meter benches in areas that are on the higher levels of the pit. And as we push down on the open pits, we'll reduce bench sizing in ore, transitioning from five meter benches to 3.3 meter flitches. As a result of these changes, we're expecting a significant reduction in dilution and much higher grades both capture in the new mine plan to some extent with some upside potential. These changes should result in less waste that is a acid generator, a generating may, may, which will decrease future capital needs. The benefit has not been captured in this current plant. Moving on to slide 23. We have implemented changes to blasting of all zones in the open pit to push throughput rates of the process plant, minimize block shoots in the primary crusher, decrease plant maintenance costs, and increase mill utilization rates. We have realized the benefits of changing our blasting approach, and these have been factored in the mining plan. We will continue to further optimize plant fragmentation in all zones to further drive additional benefits to what I just outlined, but we'll also increase mining utilization rates. One area that we have not yet implemented is optimizing blasting in waste zones, which is something that we will focus on next. In changing, in changing the blast patterns in waste zones, we expect to achieve better mine productivity, as the shovels will deliver more efficiency, digging and loading, and we allow to us to reduce hole cycles through better mine roads and pit floors. Moving on to slide 24. I touched on this already in that mine selectivity through great control drilling as modern sizing should reduce the amount of waste and pack waste generation. 
Over on top of this, we have gathered a significant amount of data over the past uh, few years on the ways that we generate and the potential to generate acid growth drainage. We have found that there is a considerable amount of material that have been labeled as packed waste that have a very low probability of turning acidic. Once we have completed the SCIS program, we intend to engage the regulators to show the complete set of our data with a request to modify the current classification of the acid generating waste. Should we be successful and the regulator grant us this modification, then this could result in a significant reduction of pack waste and future capital needs. <clears throat> Going on to slide 25, <clears throat> I covered some of the initiatives underway or already implemented to drive improvements and efficiencies with processing, and these benefits have already been captured in the mine plan. Over on top of these benefits, we're working on how we can further the bottleneck the process plant without any major capital investment. The equipment is there, and we're focused on making it all work. This includes optimizing the kinetics of the plant to drive gold recoveries higher, and how we can make slight tweaks to the flow shift. Further improvements to blasting to result in pushing throughput rates and addressing some of the harder ore zones that limit the Zach mill. Going on to slide 26. The future of hail is underground, and over the course of the past year, we have drilled a few of these underground targets that is shown on the slide. While we wait for the SCIS final decision and the permit that allows us to build on the ground, we have proceeded with development of surface infrastructure, which we're permitted to do in anticipation of receiving the permits. The horseshoe underground is the first deposit we'll mine and a major, a major driver of future production increases. We continue to see potential for extensions to horseshoe, and recent drilling has confirmed this. Once we get underground, we, we will more aggressively and extensively drill out horseshoe as well as the one-kilometer corridor between Horseshoe and Palomino, testing the both deposits and testing targets in between. As you can see, there is a lot of work to do ahead. However, I'm feeling very confident to deliver on the mine plan we have just released, improve on it through additional operating efficiencies and cost reductions, and drive additional value which we believe exists through discoveries of the underground. I will now turn the presentation back to Scott Sullivan. Thank you, David, and team, for your uh, overviews. I'll wrap up the webcast on slide 27. Our team firmly believes the future of Oceana Gold is very bright. We've implemented many initiatives over the past year to right the ship and focus the company to regain its favourable position in the industry, and we will continue to restructure and build capability in the business moving forward. We have a lot more work ahead of us, however. We have the talent and enthusiasm to do it including our new president and CEO, Gerard Bond, who starts in just over a month. We now have more realistic mine plans that are designed to allow us to deliver on our commitments. We have high margin growth opportunities that we're investing in and advancing, and several operating initiatives designed to drive additional value. As I mentioned earlier, we will be generating positive free cash flows which are expected to grow over the next few years. This is a great position to be in, and we are focused on delivering it. I'll now turn the call back over to Sabina. 
Thanks so much, Scott. Uh, I'm now going to turn the call, uh, turn over the logistics of the Q&A session to the operator. So we can please go ahead with the Q&A. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you have any questions. And your first question will be from Adam Baker at Global Mining Research. Please go ahead. Yeah, hey, morning, Scott and team. Uh, appreciate the updated uh, Hell Mine plan uh, that has more realistic unit costs and realistic capital guidance. Um, just one on Horseshoe Underground. Um, other than the permits, uh, what else are you waiting for on the underground commence? Uh, and just checking to see, are you still planning to mine uh, that deposit from the bottom up, or has this changed? So we're, we're only waiting for the permits. We have all the equipment uh, ordered, and uh, we have the contractor already set. Uh, and once we start, we're going to develop, and yes, the plan is to mine from the bottom up. Sure. Thanks for that. Uh, and just one on the DPO. Um, so you've got 23 million tons of stockpiles there. Uh, just wondering, are you able to access the high-grade material first, or is that all just mixed together in, in one large stockpile? David, uh, David Way, um, your best position to answer that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. It 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 has uh, it has been blocked out, and uh, it is it is in general been been able to uh, uh, yeah preference medium medium grade over the lower grade, and and obviously that's what we do. But in, it was built as uh, the open pit was mined, so so it is pretty much uh, homogenous. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, and then then why he. Um, just wondering if you could walk us through the issues with the resource model there um, and the discrepancies that you're seeing between the mine grades and the resource model, um, just in the early stokes that you've, you've been seeing with the grade, uh, you know, are you seeing uh, these issues come through the virgin stokes or are you seeing the grade issues uh, more within the stokes around the old workings? Thanks. Might, uh, might flick to Craig on that one. Craig Seabury. Uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks, thanks, Adam, for the question. Um, the variability really boils down to geological complexity and, the, and grade variability. We're seeing it both in the second-order structures, and, and these include unmined veins. Um, and it's still early days. We're, we're still trying to increase throughput and to understand the variability in the different parts of the mine. But to your question, we're seeing it in different places um, and it's really the geological complexity in second order veins um, and short range variability. Okay. Yeah, no worries, but it sounds like a bit more yeah, sounds like a bit more resource definition drilling needed to prove up the model, I guess. Thanks, guys. I'll pass it on. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Craig
Thanks, Adam. Thank you. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please press star 1 if you have a question. And your next question will be from Mike Parkin at National Bank. Please go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just a quick question. On the hail uh, cease permit, I notice you're guiding to you know, receive it in the first half of this year, but back on February 9th, you were indicating just it's expected in the first quarter. Is there any signs of slippage on that, which is why you've kind of extended the window of when you expect it? So this is uh, Gary Londonio. So uh, what we've seen is that we have all the information that the government, the SCIS, acquires. Uh, they're analyzing, reviewing everything. They made a couple comments uh, uh, that we're responding right now, but we don't see a slippage further than you know the first half. Okay, and does that additional quarter, if it came in Q2, does that give you any kind of hiccups in the first half relative to what you've guided to? No, 2022, my plan is, is uh, doesn't have any impact. And we've been managing water much better and also now. So we don't see any hiccups into the 2023 mine plan. Okay. That's it for me, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Once again, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone if you do have a question at this time. Yeah, I see, this is Sabina here, and I see that we have a question. Uh, can the ASIC be further reduced at Hale? I'm going to uh, let David Londano answer that. So the question, can we... Can, can, we, can we further reduce the ASIC at Hale? Yeah, we're looking for more opportunities to reduce it, you know, particularly improving our productivity uh, in moving uh, waste. You know, we have a high stripping ratio and sites, so we need to become much better at, at moving our waste, and we're going to achieve that by improving the blast fragmentation, and by improving that, we can, at some point in time, even park equipment, which will reduce, uh, you know, fuel consumption, maintenance, uh, uh, component replacement, etc. So that's one way, and then also uh, uh, we're looking into how we uh, sign our contracts, reducing our contractor costs, uh, reducing our contractors on site uh, that we use, and making sure that uh, that we improve uh, our maintenance planning and that we become better. Right now, we need to turn around uh, our maintenance practices, and that will definitely reduce our, our costs, which obviously it will improve our rolling sustaining costs. All right, thank you very much, David. Uh, we've got another uh, question in the queue. Um, what gets you excited about, uh, and I'm going to apologize, I can't quite pronounce it yet, the WKP prospect? Um, uh, Craig uh, or, or David, please, please answer. Well, uh, obviously, yeah, yeah. Look, obviously, obviously, from a you know value driver uh, for the company, it, 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 it's key, and and for and for New Zealand, and so uh, with the addition of jobs, uh, longer life, the socio-economic benefits, the offsets that can be done, you know, from environmental, biodiversity, water perspective, 
it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for not only the company but the country to to demonstrate how much value can be uh, brought about by responsible mining. And obviously, it's one of the, you know, at this at this stage, uh, most positively endowed, um, uh, you know, ore deposits that that have, has been discovered in, in in recent times. So very excited, Craig. I don't know if you want to add to that. Uh, just on the geology side, Dave, I think it's worth mentioning and probably the audience is familiar with some of the, the plans we've put in previous press releases, but there are three main structures that strike, or the EG vein is now striking over a kilometre. Um, it has extremely good widths and, and very good grades, commonly just called bonanza veins. And we've been focused on just one of the shoots within the EG vein and the hanging and footwall splays. There's still a lot more to explore um, within the EG vein. And then we also have economic widths and grades in both T-Stream and the Western vein. So, you know, all things considered, there's still a lot of exploration to go there. And we're really only at, at the beginning of defining the true value. Thanks, Sabina. You have commented that the future of hail is underground. Um, what gets you excited about this opportunity? Craig or David, please answer. I'll let Craig answer that question. Um, thanks again, Sabina. So with the hail underground, when we um, bought the the opportunity of hail, we did realize there were underground opportunities and Horseshoe was the first one that we thought was um, the most compelling. Obviously, 16, 2017, we did a, a drill program to show that um, Horseshoe is economic and we still have ways to go. There's still a, a significant portion of inferred to convert in the lower portions of Horseshoe. Since then, we've defined um, several other targets, including Palomino, the Horseshoe Extension, and some other early stage uh, targets, Aquarius and um, Pisces. Um, several of those have drill holes in them already. 2021, we spent drilling and converting the upper portion of Palomino, and in 2022, the aim is to continue that to get all of Palomino into indicated. So currently, we have a, a pipeline of projects which we feel um, will continue to, to create value at Hale in the underground. And uh, we've got one more. Um, we've been asked if we can please clarify the opportunities that we've laid out, uh, clarify if the opportunities uh, we've laid out at Hale are opportunities above and beyond what was included in the work we already released in the study. Uh, David Londano, please. Yeah, there are additional opportunities, like I mentioned, uh, you know, improving plastic uh, on the waste material. And, and the big one for us is the reduction on pack waste. And how do we achieve that reduction? We achieve that reduction in two different ways. The first one is being more selective and better sampling on, on the waste material. And if we can decide that is green material, then we can put it in closer uh, waste dumps. Uh, and then it will reduce the amount of, uh, let's say, potentially oxygenated waste that we have to move uh, further to uh, more uh, uh, further areas. 
but at the same time, if we achieve what we expect to achieve with the government, that we change the reclassification of some of that waste uh, into uh, in, from yellow to green, then we definitely won't need additional pack waste storage areas in the future. Uh, thank you so much, David. Uh, operator, uh, are there any more questions in the queue? Once again, a reminder to please press star 1 from the telephone keypad if you have a question. And currently, we have no questions registered. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. That concludes our webcast and conference call. A replay will be available on our website later today. On behalf of the management team at Oceana Gold, I appreciate you joining us today and wish you a pleasant rest of the day. Bye for now. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call webcast for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.